So as you know, folks, I, I'm, I think I'm going to shock you now. Um, I, I am really interested in God. Yeah, I am. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm more interested in fighting the notion that there is no God. I, I'm very surprised at people um, as they age that they don't figure out that there is a God. That, that, that to me is the amazing thing. They can, you can be 50 years, 40 years, 30 years on the planet, even 20 years on the planet, and not at least think, you know what, maybe there's some sort of rhyme and reason to this whole business of earth and life and everything else. And, and ask yourself some basic questions like, what, are, what is the likelihood that we'll have, uh, that we could have life on the planet? What is the likelihood that there'll be a universe at all for that matter, right? Uh, and with me today, uh, this is a, a very special co-host today, is Evan Sayet, um, who is a remarkable uh, friend and uh, great commentator. He's, uh, he's actually co-hosted for my show, guest hosted for my show before. We've never had him on the podcast before, which is a crime. It's just a total crime. Anyway, welcome Evan Sayet. Thanks, Barack. It's great to be here with you. All right. So it's going to be a lot of fun. So Evan is um, a brilliant mind uh, politically and social issues and everything else. But And, and he's written books before. Uh, why don't you tell about your, your two books, uh, two main books before, and, uh, and we're going to talk about your new book. Well, the first book is called The Kindergarten of Eden, How the Modern Liberal Thinks. And it's based on a lecture that I gave to the Heritage Foundation back in 2007. So we're talking 15 years ago already, which remains all these years later, the single most viewed lecture in their entire history. I mean, this talk became just an absolute phenomenon in the conservative world. Uh, I, I remember at the time when it was first starting to go viral, NRO, uh, National Review Online, put a bulletin that said, this talk from Evan Sayet, and they linked to it, said, this talk from Evan Sayet is cramming our inboxes. Please stop sending it. <laughs> and and Andrew, Andrew Breitbart called it one of the five most important conservative speeches ever given. So when I had an opportunity to turn that into the book, there was a couple of year interval between this, the speech and, and the book. And I was getting tons and tons of emails. And people would use this phrase repeatedly. And it's such an odd phrase that it stood out. They would say, you know what you have there? You've got the unified field theory of liberalism. Hmm. Because once you understood what I said in that talk, you understood why people on the political left ignore fact and reason and side always with evil over good, wrong over right, ugly over beautiful, profane over profound, and, and failure it's over... Weird. It's weird. It's weird how they do want to destroy everything that we would otherwise consider good, which is uh, you know, Christianity, Judaism, uh, the, the civilization for itself, marriage, uh, e- even uh, the difference between men and women, even the notion of hard work and so on. And but more and more, just yeah. e- even more and more, even the notion of, of a difference between children and adults. Yeah. I mean, look at that story uh, now. I, I forget the name of the company that had this ad where, oh, where, yeah. where, where they yeah, have yeah, posed. Yeah. Right. And, and it's a very chic, very hip uh, a clothing line, I believe. Yeah. And, and they, their advertisement were these small kids dressed in S&M and bondage outfits mm-hmm. in, in very and laid out on the table, there actually was some, some paperwork, including the legal decision that made uh, uh, child pornography easier to distribute. God, that's just awful. Well, this, this leads us to our main point, which is about uh, your upcoming book, which uh, the working title is about uh, how destructive atheism, how, how silly atheism is, essentially. Uh, remind the title again. It's it's going to be called at least right now. It's going to be called uh, "Dumber Than the World's Very First Caveman: The Lack of Science Behind uh, Atheism." Wow, 
I, it's fantastic. And it is the lack of science. I mean, look, I, we're kindred spirits. Uh, we're so passionate about the fight against atheism. And, and it really is a fight. I, I, think, I think you're experiencing that now, maybe a little later than I have. I, I've been fighting myself. So uh, I, I'm used to this battle for a long time. Um, but, but now I know myself so well. I know how I would answer my own points and I'm fighting myself at the same time. So sure enough, whenever I'm debating somebody, uh, they're raising points that I know I would have raised. I'm already ready to shoot them down. It's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, but if you can, I'm going to talk about some of the, I'm going to bring up two classic uh, retorts to the notion of, of there being a God. And then, of course, bring up whatever you like, and, and I'd like to shoot them down. So the first one is, I mean, the obvious one. Well, what about the Crusades and the Inquisition and uh, the priest molestation scandal? And uh, for that matter, the, um, the witch burnings uh, and so forth. And, and those terrible religious wars between Catholics and Protestants. And for that matter, Islam. Um, how would you retort to that? Well, the, the real question isn't why is there evil, even when it's amongst uh, people who claim to, 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 to be people of faith. Mm-hmm. I mean, the real question is why is there good? Because if there is no God, if, if everything is, as, as Richard Dawkins says, just a, a pitiless indifference, if the universe is pitiless and indifferent, mm-hmm. then the existence of, of evil isn't surprising. That would be the norm. That would be the default setting. The question is, why is there any good? And, and one of the anti-scientific things that the atheists do mm-hmm. is... The scientific method requires not only a, a rebuttal of the other side, but you then need to substitute a better theory than the one you're debunking. Right. The problem the atheists have is, is not that they can't find shortcomings with people of faith. People of faith are still human beings. Yeah. And there's going to be ups and downs and better and worse. And, and, and by the way, when you speak of religion, that, that's like speaking of medicine. Which field of medicine? Good point. Okay, that's a great. It's like the difference between alchemy and uh, and chemistry, or or um, what's the word uh, what I'm looking for? Uh, the study of the stars, astronomy versus astrology. Indeed. Right. I mean, they're very different things, and uh, I, I'm not going to. They, they always try to loop in Islam and radical Islam at that. Uh, to to reject God as if somehow we belong to the club of Islam, you know. Therefore, we we're just stuck with them. We have to subscribe to whatever they do. And, it's and, madness. And, and so, what you have to ask then is not only when 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 you are a scientist, you not only have to say, "Hey, does this new thing work? Does religion work to lessen the cancer of evil?" Yeah. You also have to say, what about the group that only gets the placebo? What about the group? Ooh, that's so good. And so when you have to go all the way back to the Crusades, or you have to go back 500 years to the small town in, in New England, Salem, Massachusetts, of course, out of 5,000 years and literally thousands and thousands of different religions, you can cherry pick examples of evil. But you cannot cherry pick a single case of good in a society that did not have God. Damn it, that's awesome. I love that. Yeah, there's, there's no good that came out of fascist uh, Hitler, uh, fa- fascist Germany, and no good that came out of uh, uh, communist China or the Soviet Union. It's, it's massively horrific uh, what they did. That's a really good way of putting it. There's nothing you can cherry pick. I, I got to remember that, Evan. It's, it's really good. For me, I mean, in addition to all those arguments we just made, let's, let's assume for the sake of discussion that the Inquisition, bad, bad, bad. Uh, um, the, the Crusades, bad, 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 even though there are arguments against saying that they were bad, 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 and, and not necessarily tagged to Christianity per se. But let's just say, for the sake of it, um, 
Do you think you're, maybe you're holding a grudge for a little too long? <laughs> I mean, really, that's what you have to, you have to go that far back, 500 years, to say, I, I hereby dismiss Christianity based upon that. Really? And by the way, we're two Jews talking about supporting Christianity. We, we think Christianity is awesome. We think that Christianity has brought together the, the Ten Commandments. I, I actually think that Christianity and Judaism are the same religion. Yeah, they, I, they really are. It's, uh, fact, we, we, we promote the Ten Commandments and all the rest is commentary. In, in, indeed. And, and what I like to say, and, and, and I have to be careful about how I say this because it could be misconstrued, but the great gift of the Jews was uh, the gift of justice. Mm. The great gift of the Christians was, was the gift of forgiveness. Mm. And, and the two put together, justice and mercy combined, oh, like is, is the best of all combinations. I really like that. Yeah. And by the way, we're not Jews for Jesus either. No. Okay. So the, please don't insult us. Uh, we, we're, we're, we're devout and very observant uh, Jews, we, we, but we also respect Christianity a great deal. We're very thankful for Christianity. We wish this country would become a full Christian country. Thank you. Uh, allowing, of course, for Judaism and, and for anybody of any faith. But uh, it would be great. It would be great if, if we had a lot more Christianity in this uh, in this nation. Actually, the most uh, observant Jews are very strong Jews, and the most observant Christians, the evangelicals, are very strong fans of Judaism. Right. Yep. I like it. All right. So I want to move on to some other uh, you know naysayer topics. So. One of the things, and I've, I've been reading your drafts of your book, and I'm going to read the more final draft in a, in a moment, but I really enjoy it. Evan, it's so funny. Um, one of the things that we talk about as believers, because the science is actually on our side. Science is God. God is science. God gave us science. It's a gift to us. Uh, the animals don't have science, okay? They, they have no idea what science is. They, they observe science happening. They can see, a, I don't know, an apple falling for a tree, and they, they can figure out that it's going to fall. They might be surprised if it starts floating in the air. I get that, but they don't, they don't follow science. They don't have science. It's not, it's not theirs to, to manipulate and use to their advantage. Uh, we do. And the atheist thinks that the, they are the champions of science, that science has always been in a separate category of God, and they have no idea of the history of it. I guess, that's, I guess I'm responding to my own challenge uh, from the atheist side, that they somehow think that, and they'll bring up Galileo and Copernicus, and uh, these people were 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 ostracized by the church, you know, and then they were they were declared heretics for their beliefs of a uh, earth centric view of the solar system and the universe, for that matter. They're wrong, by the way. I mean, they're totally wrong. Everything that they say about Copernicus and Galileo and anybody else, the the church did not banish them. On the contrary, the church celebrated them. Uh, Galileo, I don't know if you know about this, but the main, the reason why he was kicked out. Because he was an, I can't say the word. <laughs> he was an a-hole. Yeah, he was yeah, an a-hole. He was an a-hole. And just like in front of any other judge and any other people in authority, if you act like an a-hole, you're going to get punished. Yeah. But you know what he did? And this really was an a-hole thing to do. He decided that he was going to rewrite the Bible. No. <laughs> okay? It's like, uh, listen, uh, fella, we appreciate what you're doing science-wise, but, uh, don't rewrite the Bible for me. People, people don't, they don't know that. That's, that's the equivalent of somebody working for Apple. And, and it's actually, this, this is even a more, um, more subdued analogy. But it's an irony that it's an Apple. <laughs> oh, good point. Yes. <laughs> I like that. But somebody working at Apple, Steve Jobs is there in the meantime, still alive. And, and you say, you know what? I'm going to employ, I'm going to change the entire operating system of, of Apple. What do, you, what do you think Steve Jobs would do? Right? Of course he's going to fire the guy. 
crazy. And, so that's one and, thing. And by the way, Galileo was not the first to, to make, nor, nor was Copernicus the first to make the arguments that they made, and none of the others had any problem. Yeah. Okay. That's a great point. Yeah. Great point. It wasn't because of that. But that's the way people want to think. They, it's like a, I don't know. It's, it's like when a, a couple breaks up and the, the, the man says, oh, or the woman says, oh, he broke up with me because he couldn't handle how powerful a woman I am. And, and you, you interview him and he says, uh, not quite. Uh, she was just screaming at me all the time. Yeah. I couldn't take it anymore. <laughs> so, you know, sometimes people hear what they want to hear, right? And that's the bottom line. The second thing about science that I want to talk about, and you talk about this extensively in your book, and I love it. It's, it is so funny, Evan. I, I just, I was cracking up. I had to put it down like every, every five minutes because I was laughing so hard. Uh, the, the probabilities, right? The odds of things happening, the, the odds of the universe forming at all, the, the Big Bang, the odds that it would form in such a way that it could have clumps, uh, things that end up being meteors and, and planets, uh, and then the odds of the Earth being formed the way it has, and its you know, its position in the sun, position in the galaxy. Then the odds of life forming at all. Then the odds of life reproducing. Then the odds of that evolving into a human being with free will and consciousness. And it is hysterical. I'm, my my favorite line that you had was, uh, you know, it's it's you gave it a number. It was like one out of a trillion, 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 or zillions and zillions. And then you said, to, to put this in perspective, that's about as, as uh, hard as it is to find a U-Haul truck to get out of California. <laughs> <laughs> I just, oh man, that was great. Anyway, so, so that is something that I encounter all the time from my atheist friends. And they always say, well, that's the way it was. It right. just, just is. Well, what they, what, what they often say, and they, they invoke what's called the infinite monkey theorem, yeah. which is that uh, if you put enough monkeys in a room with enough typewriters, eventually they will type the, the uh, collective works of William Shakespeare. Right. right? So they're not saying that, that this actually happened. They're just saying that it's not impossible that it didn't happen. Right. Well, again, the scientific method requires more than just making the case that something isn't impossible. Right. It, it requires you then to to show evidence that it actually did happen. Yeah. You know, one one of the things you find when you run into atheists, and this includes me back when I was young and, and still an atheist. Right. I mean, I wasn't, just like my, my leftism, my liberalism, it was never a thoughtful position. Mm-hmm. It was just sort of the default factory setting for somebody born into my demographics. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, wait, 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 I love that default factory <laughs> setting. Can you can you please all remember? Write that down, my listener and friends. Okay, go ahead. All right. So it is just a given you're, that that religion is ludicrous. It's ridiculous that there's this giant uh, old man in a robe sitting on a cloud throwing throwing uh, lightning bolts down to punish people because of, uh, of, of some personal quirk that this god has. Mm-hmm. And so you don't really think about the alternative. But again, the scientific method requires an alternative. And there is absolutely, there's more science on the side of a creator. Let's just start with intelligent design, not even the specific God. Right, right. It doesn't have to be the God of the Bible. We're just, I always say, first, first establish whether there's a creator or not. Right. And then so, we'll talk about whether or not that's the same as the God of the Bible. And so now there are only two scientific possibilities. There's only two, one or, one or the other. Either the universe and everything in it was created or it came out of nowhere and nothing. Now, both of them are, are, are sort of absurd. Both of them are, are, are supranatural. Right. But now we have to, one of them is true. Yeah. 
It can only be one or the. It's binary. It's binary. We, we, we don't live in a non-binary world right. <laughs> in that sense, right? Yeah. Okay. All right. So at this point, science demands which is supported by the laws and constants. Mm-hmm. Atheism isn't. There is no law or constant of, of, of any of the known sciences, physics, chemistry, astronomy, astronomy. Right. Uh, yeah. uh, what am I leaving out? Biology. There is no known law or constant of any of the known sciences right. that allows for something to come from nothing. Right. Two, there is no known law or constant of, of the universe that allows life to come from the insentient. So there are no known laws or constants. Now we have what's called data. Mm-hmm. That's observation, discovery, and experimentation. From the very first caveman until today, there has not been a single observation, discovery, or experiment that says it is possible for life to come from the insentient. Right. Right. When you say the insentient, oh, insentient, meaning insentient. The, yeah. the unknown, yeah. Okay, now I understand, okay. Yeah, I, I sometimes slur my words at, <laughs> you know, at this late hour. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, because we use these words so often that we often just kind of slur it right through because it's, it's part of our parlance. Uh, but, but I'm sorry, I interrupted you. No, so now when you weigh both sides and one of them has to be true, all known science says atheism is impossible. All, right. all known observation, discovery, and experiment, all known data, without exception, says life only comes from other living things. Right. Right. Now, it may in the end somehow be <laughs> that luck made these things happen, but luck isn't even a scientific hypothesis. Right. Oh, man, that's such a great point. It t- to, I mean, you've heard this before. It takes a lot more faith for an atheist to believe that there's no God than for you and I to believe that there is a God. It's, the science demands that there was a creator. We can quibble about whether or not that creator is the same as the God of the Bible. I understand that. I respect that. But, but, um, I, do, but, but I do believe that that is the God of the Bible and, as well. And I certainly make that argument over and over and over again. And one point that I make that, that I particularly like, if I'm allowed to particularly like something of my own. Brag away. Is, is that a monotheistic God, like the one in the Bible, is the first and only requirement for science itself. Mm. With no God, there can be no such thing as science because the laws and constants of science couldn't have been created by the laws and constants if they didn't first exist. That's beautiful. And I think you actually raise in your book the, the fact that by comparison to, let's say, a polytheistic world right. or you know, universe, where there would be no one truth. It, be, monotheism there, applies one truth. Well, there wouldn't be the constants yeah. of the scientific method yeah. if there were multiple capricious and competing gods because those laws would have been multiple capricious and competing. Yeah. So therefore, the only, possi- the only scientific possibility is a monotheistic god like the one that's in the Bible. That's great. Let me ask you now, because we've gone through some of the classic um, uh, retorts, the arguments by atheists against the existence of God. We've only covered a few of them. I mean, atheists listen to this, say, what about X, Y, and Z? Okay, that's fair enough. We can't recover, cover all of them. But um, one of the finds, uh, things that I find to be very effective with atheists, and they really haven't explored. Uh, first of all, they claim to know what why, why religious people are religious. They, they always say that the reason why is because we, we seek comfort. We're afraid <laughs> of uh, that, the brash and random world uh, in the universe for that matter. And, and this, is, this makes us pretend in an illusory God. Um, okay, well, uh, I, I am, okay, this is the thing that really drives me nuts. And this, this throws them off when I say this. I always say, 
I'd rather believe that there's no God. Mm-hmm. And they say, what? <laughs> I said, you think I have comfort in that there's a God? I mean, I do, but it would be a hell of a lot easier to believe that there's no God. W- wouldn't that be great? I wouldn't be accountable. <laughs> I, could, I could sex it up. I could booze it up. I could not work. You, mean could, you can't do that with a God? Oh. <laughs> Whoops. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Emma's going to rethink everything now. But, but that's the point is that once you have God in your life and you really, really absorb God in your life, you realize, oh, crap. I am answerable to everything that I'm doing. You think that's comforting? Really? On the other hand, not on the other hand, in addition, yeah. the notion that, that everybody, and, and it's been virtually everybody who's ever been alive, has believed in God in one form or another, right. that, that these people are, are the, the only ones who've had courage in the entire history of the world. Yeah. How arrogant, how self-serving, how... <laughs> Yes, that's really true. By the way, speaking of my courage, uh, you know, here's another retort that I have to my atheist friends where, where I say, give me examples of heroes who were atheists, heroes who, who fought the system. And I, and I have one for them. They don't know it. Uh, it's uh, Andrei Sokolov. Mm-hmm. He, he resisted the tyranny of the Soviet Union, and he was, a, he was an avowed atheist. I, I respect well, that. It was atheist versus atheist. That, that, there you go. Uh, and so, but even so, but you're allowed to have exceptions. I mean, the guy made, you know, we're not going to make, I'm not going to um, sugarcoat it in any way. Here's one atheist. Okay, give me another example. You can't find any. By contrast, you have a tremendous number of religious folk who did resist the Nazis. In fact, everyone who resisted the Nazis were religious, one way or the other, whether they were Jewish, Quakers, uh, Jehovah's Witnesses. P.S. Jehovah's Witnesses were awesome during the fight against Nazism. They they were they protected Jews. They were pretty awesome. Well, uh, they, and, kept and, the, they kept the Nazis awake by knocking at the door at 7 a.m. <laughs> that's like, we'll exhaust them, we will. Uh, that's very funny. See, he's also a comedian. That's the problem. I have to deal with this. Uh, such a pleasure with him. But anyway... Uh, even today against China, I mean, the, the resistors are the Christians, the believers, and 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 the atheists, you know, pat themselves on the back as as such scientist-driven people. They love science and thank a science, thank a scientist for whatever you enjoy today. No, no, thank Christianity and Judaism for everything that you enjoy today. You would not have your science. Uh, that, well, that gives you, you all the comforts else, that you enjoy. I'll tell you what else you wouldn't have. You know, the, the atheists argue that, that religion is the cause of war. Yeah. It's exactly the opposite. Yeah. It, religion is actually, and it depends again which religion, but we're talking Judaism and Christianity, yeah. or as I like to just simply call it Judeo-Christianity, because I do believe it's just one religion. Right. But with that, slavery, for <laughs> example, was the natural default, and, and, and by the way, perfectly Darwinian practice, yeah. right? The survival of the fittest and, and pitiless indifference and, and all of the above. That's a great point. So uh, slavery, the fact that slavery existed in, in, in was, was, came over to the new world in some parts of America is not what's interesting about slavery. What's interesting about slavery is that Christianity, Christians ended it, and it could only have been ended by Christians uh, because it, it's, it's a perfectly natural atheistic policy. That's so great. And, and not only that, uh, to add to your point, we're still fighting uh, these evils. There's a sex, uh, the sex trade. Guess who's uh, on the forefront of fighting sex trade? Yeah, so Polaris, which is a Christian-based organization. Uh, and, and it was the feminists at first, but they, they were doing nothing. They got a little bit of advances against the sex trade. 
but uh, it's only when the Christians took over that things really began to happen. And the same same thing with the civil rights movement. Yep. I mean, Martin Luther King, the Reverend yep. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., and only, by the way, calling upon Christians to be better Christians, not to yep. give up their Christianity, yeah. but to better practice their Christianity. It was also uh, Christians who fought against eugenics. Indeed. It was Christians who, who created uh, AA. <laughs> and there's so many great things that they did from a social point of view. They created the hospital system. They created the public education system. The good kind, not the kind of crap that we're dealing with today. Uh, and no, it's actually the atheists who've turned it into the kind of crap. Good point. Good point. Well, yeah, they pulled God out of the public school, and now we have the crap that we and, have and today. By pulling God out of the public schools, they pulled science out of the public yeah. schools because God is science. Yeah. And and it's not just the science of, of physics and chemistry, the hard sciences. It's the science of anything. That there is a body of work, a canon of of experience that people can turn to and learn from has, has been totally erased. There is nothing that is considered art any longer. There's nothing that's considered music any longer. There's nothing, there, there's no even science behind sexuality any longer, man and woman. Yeah. And look, I mean, it's now we're dealing, it, it, as we're talking today, we talked about eugenics and we talked about uh, uh, the slavery and those things that are thankfully in the past, of course, but for today, we're dealing with, of course, this horrible abortion culture. We're dealing now with a new kind of culture that says boys can be girls and, and everything else. And even worse, we're dealing with a culture that says that we should depopulate our entire planet, not by a little bit, but by a hell of a lot. We are 8 billion people on the planet. And Bill Gates and company believe that the, the, the world is really only sustainable for 1 billion people. Thank you very much. And we should really get it down to that. You know, it would be nice if Bill Gates took the lead and said, you know, I'm going to lead by example. I'm going to kill myself, okay? <laughs> then I might respect you. <laughs> How about just sharing your 80-acre, you know, your property with some other people? Yeah, so I like that a lot. Just sell it at least and, and then share it for the hungry. Uh, but, but these things are, these are conundrums that the atheist won't really want to deal with. It's interesting, another area of topic, and I, I think that a lot of my believing friends, maybe, maybe you do too, um, you'll hear me talk a lot about animals. It's almost as if, you know, you wonder why are there other animals? I, I use the phrase other animals because that's what atheists say. Mm -hmm. But why are there animals on the planet at all, right? I mean, we could have a system where there are only human beings, right? I mean, God would be able to provide. Maybe we'd all eat from the trees with uh, vegetables and fruits and everything else, be, go purely vegan. Um, and we wouldn't need animals. But of course, there's a circle of life, and I get that. Carnivores eat uh, other animals and so on. But but another way of looking at it is maybe the animals are there that it helps us understand why we are human, what makes us human, right? In the same way that you, men would know what it is to be a man and, unless there are, were women, right? And vice versa. It's, it's, a, it's not a mirror. It's a, uh, it's a contrast. So you can start seeing uh, why we are different, what makes us different. Oh, yeah, you know, men think this way. You know, they come to think of it, that's quite correct. We animals reveal what we have and what they don't have, right? We have a free will, for example. We have a sense of the past and the future. We have a sense of ambition. We have a sense of uh, advancing society. We have a sense of justice. We have a sense of uh, kindness and charity, uh, wanting to educate our children. Animals don't have these things, among many other things. Um, and, and I list them in my, in my books. Uh, but there's one long list. I'm, I'm up to 200 differences between uh, humans and animals. 
And, and by the way, making lists is 201. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Would you stop pulling your comedian hat on me? No, I love it. It's, it's actually very clever. Uh, but other things like humor, we're speaking about humor right now, right? Humor doesn't is not explainable by evolution, right? You you say to yourself, okay, well, what happened to Bob? He died. I can well, you know, he just wasn't funny enough. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's actually, quite the opposite is anti-Darwinian. Yeah. If if all that matters is the physical world, yeah. then any time and energy and resources spent in the metaphysical world is nothing other than a distraction. Yeah. So the metaphysical traits that we possess should be anti-Darwinian. Yeah. And they are actually non-Darwinian in the sense that where did they come from? Yeah. They couldn't have come from Darwinian evolution because they only arrived late in, in the evolutionary yeah. game. Beautiful. It, it, they, that's the problem that they have is they can't explain all those things they cannot be explained by pure evolution. Another example is music, right? I mean, uh, you don't need music to survive, right? It, and it's not uh, inherent among the animals. And they can't create a symphony. They can't create this uh, music that we love and enjoy. Some of the music is bad, of course, but we still get the idea of structuring music. And, and I remember you know, debating uh, a fairly well-known atheist on this. His name is Tom Jump. He's a nice guy. Uh, you know him, so... Um, anyway, so I had him uh, on my show and he had me on his show and I, I said, well, explain that to me. And he goes, sure, they, sure they have, they're called birds. And I said, Tom, you're better than this. Come on. The fact that they have little songs, uh, little chirps to identify themselves to one another because they're far away from each other. Mm -hmm. That's not the same thing as creating a symphony, please. Okay. To say nothing of creating a civilization and, and, uh, whole cities, and, and so another guy tried to explain that, oh, what are you talking about? Um, ants create whole uh, you colonies. Know, colonies and civilizations yeah. like that. Okay, uh, listen, let's, let's get serious here. It's not, nowhere close to the same it, animal. It, until ants have an In-N-Out burger, there's, just, there's <laughs> no comparison. <laughs> True. That, that is, it's like the wheel, right? It's, uh, you, <laughs> that's, when, that's when you really advance in civilization. These are the things that are conundrums to us. And I, I have to tell you, Evan, as I get older... Um, when I first believed in God, that was when I was 21, 22. I was doing a thesis. Uh, my thesis was going to be a very simple project. Um, is evil uh, caused by the presence of religion or the absence of religion? You know, very simple, very, you know, footnote type thing. It's, it's the <laughs> right. absence. Of course it's the absence. And again, yeah. you have to be careful when you say religion uh, because the comparison I made earlier is to medicine. And there's medicine that, that you can blame bad medicine for killing people. That's right. Yeah. A vaccine much. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, anyway, so I, I, you're, you're so right. And the difference between, you know, being a witch doctor versus, uh, you know, modern medicine. They're there, both medicine, quote unquote. Yeah, there, there, there was a line that really set me off. One of the reasons I wrote the book that, that I'm writing. Right. <laughs> so how do you say that? The reason I'm writing the book that I'm writing right, yeah. is, is, is one of them is that I came across uh, Dawkins' book, The God Delusion. Yeah. And it was, I read that book. And it was just so devoid of any actual science. It, 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 was, uh, it was propaganda. Yeah. And, and at one point he said, imagine how much better the world would be without, and, and then he named um, uh, 
oh, Jerry Falwell, and then he named uh, Pat Robertson, and then he named the Ayatollah Khomeini, and then he named uh, Osama bin Laden. Right. As, as if as if the four of them have uh, are inner spirits. Yeah. yeah. And, and I and I started to write in this book. It didn't actually make it into it, but I could do the same thing to them. Imagine how much better the world would be without science and medicine. Imagine if there was no uh, uh, Joseph Mengele. Imagine if there was no Kermit Gosnell. Imagine if there was no Richard Dawkins. Wow, that'd be, that'd be awesome. What a great world. Imagine if there was no song called Imagine, right? <laughs> that, actually is, that actually is the goal of the political left. Oh, yeah, no, for sure. And, and for the atheists, too. Imagine well, no religion. But exactly. Imagine no religion. Imagine no countries. If, if you think about when they talk about equity, right. right, equity being one of the things that they seek to create, well, imagine all the people sharing all the world. Mm-hmm. This and, and the way that they think they're going to bring about utopia is by having nothing that is better or worse than anything else. That is exactly right. And the and way God, that, that... And God is the very opposite of that. God is very discriminating. Right. And, and God, the, the importance of distinctions, I have a chapter on this in my book, Atheism Kills, the first of my three-volume series, uh, about the importance of distinctions and that the one thing the godless have in common is the effort to destroy all distinctions. Indeed. And, 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 and of course, that's my very thesis, yeah. is that they're a cult of indiscriminateness. Yeah. Oh, boy, that's beautiful. Even that song, just to not, not to go too deep into it, but the song Imagine, uh, imagine no countries, imagine no this or that. He, he speaks about all these things and no religion. Uh, inherent in, in all of those words is the notion that each of those things are bad. Right, well, the, the, the idea of having separate countries or but, religion. But, but the reason they're bad is because the only way you can have war is if people believe in things. Yeah. So the way to have a peace, imagine all the people living life in peace, right? right? Is, is to believe in nothing. Because if you believe in something, you might believe in it enough to fight for it. Yeah. And if you remember in the song, the big payoff of all of this is, is a world with nothing to kill or die for. Yeah. The problem is he only told half the story. Right. Because a world with nothing to kill or die for is also a world with nothing to live for. Damn it, you took it right out of my mouth. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's exactly right. There is nothing to live for. And, and that's, that's where we're getting to. If you look at the young kids especially, people under 30, they, they seem so driftless. They, they have no point in existence. They have no purpose, which is another distinction between the humans and the animals as well. This is, this is the problem I have with the atheists, and I get, I get angry with them, not because I, I hate them for not absorbing religion in their lives, but because I expect more of intelligent people. I, I, I'm angry with them because I know that they're they're not using their brain like they should be. God gave you this brain, whether you realize it or not. You want, you want to say it's nature, fine. But, but nature gave you this brain so that you can engage in critical thinking. And you're not and engaging you, you, in that. Your humanity. That's yeah. your point. Yeah. Um, even worse than that for me, and, and I start my book with a quote from a militant atheist. And a militant atheist, I, by the way, I didn't coin that phrase. That phrase was coined by the Wall Street Journal okay. to describe a, a new... Uh, group of professional atheists yeah. who, who, the new atheists, who, the new atheists yeah. who hide behind the, the, the mantle of science, but who know and admit that they're lying. That, yeah. that, that, and it starts with a, with a quote from uh, Richard Lewontin, who is a uh, evolutionary biologist at Harvard and one of the famous militant atheists, who says, we take the side of science despite its patently absurd constructs, <laughs> beside its failed promises and its unsubstantiated just-so stories because we have a prior commitment 
to materialism. Yeah. Well, materialism is, is a euphemism for atheism. Right. So what they're admitting to is that they are promoting patent absurdities, failed promises, and unsubstantiated stories in the guise of science. So they are lying. Yeah, yeah they, they are lying. But, but, but I, I'm going to throw a worse accusation worse at them. Lying worse than lying. Okay. Ready? Mm-hmm. They're lazy. And, and I... I I, See, I don't agree with you, if I may. I, 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 I understand, I, but... I, I believe that the lay atheist is lazy. Yes. But I don't... I believe that the, the, the militant atheists, the ones who know... The, the Richard Dawkins and so the on. The Richard Dawkins who know and intentionally engage in evangelizing, uh, uh, sermonizing, and propagandizing for a right. godless world, knowingly lie... I understand, but the, but we will be brought down not by the intellectual elites uh, like uh, the Richard Dawkins type. Um, the, we're going to be brought down by people who don't believe in God because they don't believe in God, and because they have not engaged their their neurons and their brains to actually activate and critical thinking. That's how we lose. Just like we lose um, in, in in politics because the the average voter is a low information voter, Indeed. right? And that, and that's the way it is with every such movement. Yeah. You know, you go back to 1944, and only 10 percent of the German people were active activist yeah. members of the Nazi right. Party. Right. Uh, but it, so it wasn't those 10%. It was the other 90% who were so heavily steeped in and never gave real thought to the yeah. propaganda. You go back to the Democratic Party in the Old South, and only about 5 to 10% of the Democrats were active activist members of the Ku Klux Klan. Yeah. Wow, that's, that's fascinating. Uh, but let's go back to the laziness for a second. And, and this is more of a challenge to our Listeners out there who are not like Richard Dawkins or who's the other guy? Um, no, Richard uh, Lewontin or yeah. Christopher Hitchens. Christopher Hitchens, right. Or, uh, yeah, all those. Annette. Yeah, I've read a lot of their books, not all of them, but most of them, and they're remarkably shallow. I'm just and, unbelievably and, shallow. And totally devoid of actual science. Yeah. So what I, what I, it's a challenge to, to you who feel, let's say, indifferent to the idea of God. You're not, you're not an active, a militant atheist, as you just referenced from the Wall Street Journal. You're not somebody that, kind of incorporates, you know, the, the hatred of Christianity or Judaism or, or civilization, generally speaking. But you're just somebody who goes about his life and doesn't give much thought to God at all. This is really for you. Um, I, I need you to be active. I need you to exercise your brain neurons and start asking questions. Ask simple questions like, first of all, why is there anything at all? Okay, that's number one question, okay? And then start asking the questions about what are the chances that X... What are the chances that Y? What are the chances that Z? Listen to what Evan said just a little while ago about how life can only come from other life. Okay, cannot happen inorganically from some sort of inorganic source. It's impossible. We know that it's been tried many times to try to re, re, um, reanimate. reanimate the, the whole uh, system, the, 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 the theorized system, and they just, of course, can't and they never will. Um, they, they are never going to be able to reproduce um, anything as complex but, as the eye or the cell or, or the hearing or anything else. Particularly interesting is even if they were now able to uh, create life from the insentient, um, <laughs> I like it. Um, it would still require what intelligent design in the Bible suggests. It would require pre-existing life, that of the scientists, 
yep. with with the intelligence to have designed the the protocols to bring things to life. Yeah. So even then, the life still didn't come from anything other than an intelligent designer. Yeah, it's the only way that it can be. And and then I I mean, look, I I don't know if you know this. I, I think I may have said this to you before informally, but you get to a point where you know that there's a God. You know, not you don't believe it. You know that there's a God. It's one of the mitzvot, by the way. One of the 613 mitzvot is that you shall know that there's a God, which means go out and find him. Don't just take my word for it. Go out and figure it out yourself. It, you, you have a duty to find God. Don't just, we, we, hear, we, we hear who believe in God. We, don't, we didn't have like a, a zap moment where we just decided to one day close our eyes and really want to believe in God. No, 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 we, we, we ask questions. And we came to a conclusion. For me, it was not revelation. Right. It it was thoughtful consideration. And you're asking the people to think, here's the first thing and and perhaps the last thing that that I would suggest to them, uh, which is keep in mind that as ridiculous as it is that there might be a God, it is equally as ridiculous that there isn't one. And so now you have to use your brain to figure out which one of these two supranatural things is real because one of them is. Mm -hmm. And once you begin to apply the scientific method to weigh the evidence and to, to, to weigh the laws and constants of science, only a monotheistic God like the one in the Bible makes any scientific sense. Oh God, that's so beautiful. That is exactly right. Uh, And, and I, I just said, I, I know that there's a creator. I believe that that creator is the same as the creator of the Bible for different reasons altogether, uh, most of which is that it's so, it's so bizarrely, uniquely applicable, all the rules of the Bible uh, to, to what was going on back then as it is to now. Uh, it's, it's not uh, some sort of anachronistic concept. It, it talks about jealousy. It talks about uh, anger. It talks about uh, being faithful and so many other things. Um, and talks about being loyal to parents uh, and, and talks about being true and, and the notion of justice. These are things that were not of any importance whatsoever to other cultures. Uh, now, people will say, and this is maybe a final thing, um, that, well, gosh, there was the, there's the, the what is it, the Hammurabic code? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Hammurabi, yeah. Uh, that, that was, there was a code back there, and it's the same thing, and that, that's where we derive the, the Ten Commandments. No, that is not correct. The Hammurabic code, I think I'm pronouncing it correctly. I feel embarrassed that I don't know it right away. It was just more of a social construct for the, there, for the then and then. Um, about the issues of the day. Don't steal. That was kind of obvious because they need to keep, keep society together. But you don't have anything like honor your mother and father. Don't covet. These are unique things, right? Don't speak ill of me uh, as a third. Don't, don't blaspheme me in the process of doing uh, you know, evil in my name. Uh, these are not things anywhere close to what was in the Hammurabi Code. So uh, really, please don't, don't even put those in the same same breath. Now, it's good that they had a code, yes. Uh, It was a very muscular code, a Machiavellian code perhaps, but that's not the same thing as what we have today with the Bible. And and, 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 and very tellingly is that one of those codes survives 5,000 years later and and one of them is is a relic. Damn it, that's a great point. Like, how do you like me now, right? (laughs) That's that's what it is. Yeah, it, 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 it withstood the test of time. And uh, it, it created uh, freedom as we think of it. Uh, we wouldn't have freedom. We wouldn't have free speech 
I, I argue this in atheism destroys. Free speech would not exist without our love of God. It's uh, people claim to want it, but they don't really want it. Uh, thing, we know one that. One thing I really like about this God is just as the physical laws of the universe he created are constant throughout all, so are his moral laws. And unlike Islamism, for example, and unlike leftism, for example, there is no but in the Ten Commandments. Mm-hmm. It, is, it is not, thou shalt not kill unless he's an infidel. Right. One shall not steal unless you're looting because you've been oppressed. There is no, and, and so I love that this God's physical laws and moral laws, which are the first two chapters of the Bible, first two books of the Bible, uh, are, are, are both constant, just like you would expect of a God. Let me ask you one final question, because I know you need to wrap up, and so do we. Um, you don't need to. I'm I, going with the I, life. <laughs> that's true. That's true. you got to finish your book. Uh, so here's a question for you, and, I, and I'll answer for myself first. How is it that you came to believe in God? What was the door that opened? Because it, like you said, it, doesn't, it comes from rational thought. It, it's not some sort of bolt of lightning that came into you, and, and you had this moment, like a St. Paul moment. Uh, no, I, I, and, and I didn't have that either. For me... It was accepting the reality from philosophy classes in colleges uh, that you cannot have free will without a creator that gives it to you. And I believed in free will. Mm-hmm. I, I, I do not think that everything is deterministic. I, I think that I'm responsible for my actions. Um, and if I punch you in the face right now, you are going to understandably and legitimately be angry about that. Why? Because I've made a choice to punch you in the face. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's free will in action. I, I actually offered a challenge. I, it's not in the book any longer, but I offered a challenge to those who don't believe in, in free will is, is go to a biker bar and, and kick a biker and, <laughs> and, and, and see if his, if his response is random. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. And you can explain to him, I'm sorry, dude, but that's what the, the universe forced me to do. I, it, was it was predetermined. predetermined. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. And even the atheist who, who resists free will, uh, would say would be furious at you for doing so. Don't don't be angry with me. I did it because I had to. It was it was inevitable right. that I would hit you in the face. Uh, anyway, so that's that's my door that that opened up. And once I had free will, um, that cracked the door open to believe to understand why God was real for other reasons altogether: consciousness, self awareness, and then the odds. Of course, as we discussed about it, the notion of justice. Um, and and all the contributions that Christianity and Judaism gave to civilization, and why. Only with God do we have distinctions. Only with God do we have freedom and free speech. That's how it all started unraveling for me. Uh, What about you? For me, it it, it was a process. And even before I changed, I can now look back and see where it began. And it probably began when I was writing some of the TV shows that I was writing, like Politically Incorrect with Bill Maher. And we would have some of these militant atheists who they were now making into celebrities, like Richard Dawkins and Christopher Hitchens and others on the show. And as, as, as an atheist, I never really cared for people who aggressively proselytized for their religion. Well, here these people were aggressively proselytizing for their lack of religion, for their... But at least with, with, with believers, when they proselytized, they had something good. They had the good news that they wished to share with me. I I could at least appreciate that, even if I found them annoying. But Dawkins was on this show 
trying to spread the bad news. Mm -hmm. The idea that our life is meaningless, our death is imminent, our doom is eternal, and our every action futile. What was in it for him? And, And as I saw more of them come on our shows and I listened to them more and I researched them more, there was a lack of scientism to the arguments. They weren't acting like scientists. They were acting and speaking like propagandists. Mm -hmm. And so once I began to realize this is more than uh, just a scientific rebuttal of of God, this is is a political movement, Mm -hmm. I, I... began to research the alternative and i found and i found uh, uh stephen meyer uh and a signature book, of the cell right a signature in the cell and then later um darwin's doubt but ultimately uh, the return of the god hypothesis yeah. and while i can't attest to all of the science what i can attest to is that it was a book of science yeah dawkins books weren't they were they were books of of, of rhetoric yeah of, of banter uh, rhetoric is a good way, good way you know i i'll leave this with one thought and and for our listeners when i became a believer and i remember it was the free will thing i was in college at the time and there were some friends of mine they they were uh, bible believing christians they they were born again christians they were very and they were very nice people four guys they were they had a quad down the hall and, you know, I'd always bantered with them respectfully. I, I have to pat myself on the back. I was always respectful. And they were respectful of me. And, and we would have these very intelligent conversations about God, not God. And I just, I wanted to know their argument. But they weren't the ones who convinced me. I, I convinced myself by way of free will, like I just said. And I, I realized I believe in God. And so who are the first people I wanted to tell? <laughs> I was going to go down the hallway and tell them. And it was... And Evan, I got to tell you, it was the weirdest thing because as I started walking, my heads, my, my head, my, my legs grew weary and heavy. I could not walk. It was as if I was suddenly going through quicksand or, or thick clay and I couldn't walk. And I, I asked myself, why is this happening? Why? And very quickly, the answer came. The answer was, I realized that once I announced that I believed in God, I was going to be accountable for all my actions. I was going to be a, a responsible adult and that I had to be good. I had to be honest. I, it was going to take a lot of work. This was going to be a big moment in my life. And do I accept that? And once I said, yes, I accept that, it was more than just believing in God, that I accept the consequences of believing in God. Today I am a man. I, today I am a man. <laughs> That's when the weight was lifted from my legs and I was able to walk very easily to my friends, and I told them the good news, as it were, the gospel. Uh, Evan, say it. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today, and thank you for your great work. Um, your kindergarten book was fantastic. Your your um, uh, your woke your woke supremacy book, fantastic, and this book. I've already read the first draft. Fantastic. Even if you published it as it, as it was when I was reading it, uh, it, it's going to be a massive bestseller. And I'm so privileged to have you on board. And thank you for the good work you do because you are you are preaching what needs to be preached uh, to the to the average reader, to the average thinker, uh, people who need to understand the power uh, and the necessity of having God in our world. Thank you, Evan. Say God bless. God bless you. Thank you, Brock. <laughs>